Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hi everybody, doesn't it feel... Uh, it doesn't feel like uh, summer is over, but uh, it's ending, right? Um, school's back, Labor Day weekend next week, and uh, we just love summer at Rockbrook. I just want to stop and celebrate a few things. You know, summer always starts uh, with our 21st birthday, or with our birthday, and this year it was our 21st birthday at the beginning of June, and then we launched into the Why I Serve and the Serve uh, curriculum in our small groups, and then uh, had a big serve day where over 500 of you actually uh, came together and served on different projects uh, that day around our community. That was amazing. Uh, our teens had just always have, young people, they always have just an amazing summer. They went to uh, camp in uh, Missouri where they worked, uh, worked hard, uh, doing different labor and different things for that camp. And then uh, they have their big trip uh, called Motion where they go down to Birmingham, Alabama and go to an arena full of young people who are just worshiping full on and hear amazing, challenging messages. If you come to our second Sunday student service, if you serve at that or uh, come to that, you've seen us recapping that. Uh, so they had an amazing summer. Our RBFK, Rockbrook for Kids, uh, they had small group camp, which actually goes to the camp where the teens go and work. So uh, that's fun for the kids. They grow up having fun, and then they go back and work there. And uh, so that's great. And they had their uh, kids' small group reunion, and they had their big training day for the RBFK staff just a few weeks ago, gearing up for the fall. And uh, just church, we just did so many different things this summer from blood drive to buying land and so many different things. I just want to stop and, and celebrate all that and thank you guys. Thank you for your involvement in all of that and your leadership and we couldn't have pulled any of that off without you. All of that was on top of like five weekend services every weekend with Rockbrook for Kids and all of them and all the regular student stuff and growth track and celebrate recovery and small groups and our dream team and and everything else. I just want you to know there were several people in the last few months, several people that came forward and said, I'm believing in Jesus Christ for the first time in my life. And we've baptized several of them. And yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm just in a thankful mood today. I want to thank the staff, uh, our, our church staff here. Every single one of them is so amazing. They love God so much. They follow Jesus Christ with their whole heart. They love you guys. They love our community. They're not just called to a church, but they're called to serve a community, and they do such a great job with that, and they remember why they're doing this and whose church this really is, and that's the church of Jesus Christ, our God, our Savior, and uh, they, they just choose joy, and they love working together, and it's such a great team. I want to thank them uh, for all, all of what they do. I want to thank our dream team for how you guys just serve week in and week out. People are coming to Christ. They're coming to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference because of what you do. And uh, I just want, if you put down your coffee and notes just for a second, let's just give God a thanksgiving of praise and clap our hands, all you people. Yes, thank you, Lord. Okay, in two weeks, we're gonna start a new series uh, that we're gonna call Not So Far-Fetched, Remarkable Confidence in a Believable God. And uh, I like that title. It kind of flows out of different conversations I've had with people who say, and they're trying not, they don't want to be offensive 
to me and my beliefs that they'll say, ah, God existing and the flood and Jesus rising from the dead and God being good, those things, sounds a little far-fetched. Sounds a little far-fetched. You ever heard that? And uh, so we're going to do a case or a series, make a case that it's not so far-fetched. Like there's a reason that billions of people believe it and that billions of people for the last 2,000 years have believed it. We're going to tackle some big questions uh, that our culture is asking. Uh, Is God real? What about Noah and the flood? Is God good? Did Jesus rise from the dead? And we're looking forward to that series. That starts in two weeks and that would be a great series to bring a, a friend to. And in between now and then, we've just got a couple of standalone messages, something on my heart, and then next week, something on Pastor Kelly's heart for you. Actually, I can't wait for that message. I can't wait to come and hear that one. This week, I want to start with a story. And uh, that is that a few years ago, I keep saying that. It's several years ago now. I'm getting older. It's several years ago now. I had a motorcycle. And... Uh, It was a 1983 Honda Nighthawk 650, and I really enjoyed that thing. And the first time I went out riding on it, I was really surprised by how many people I knew that had motorcycles. Like, if you've ever had or have a motorcycle, would you raise your hand? Yeah, a lot of you. And then the sauce surprised how many people I knew. Second time I went out, I went riding with a friend. And we stopped for a break, and I said, I can't believe how many people you know that have motorcycles. And he says, what are you talking about? I said, all those people waving at you and you waving at them. <laughs> I said, you know. And he's like, no, 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 that's what you do on a motorcycle is you wave at all the other people on a motorcycle. I'm like, oh, okay. So we get back out on the road and... I'm excited to see other motorcyclists, you know, other bikers. And so every time I see one, hey, what's up? Hey. And we stop again. He goes, dude, what are you doing? Like, just acknowledge them. Just like lift your hand or be cool about it. Just say hi. I'm out there waving like I'm in a parade. And and what I didn't realize when I got a bike was that I was just focused on trying to ride a motorcycle and I didn't realize I entered into a whole culture and like this whole language and protocol and like this whole thing that's happening on the road that you don't even know that's happening and I entered into that and I've noticed that we do that all the time in life. Like every time you change jobs, if you've ever changed jobs like in the same field but you go to a competitor or just a different company, isn't it amazing how it's the same thing, but there's a whole different language, and there's a whole different hierarchy, whole different language, whole different protocol, and that happens in our life is that every time we enter into a group, we enter into a culture with a language and a protocol and an identity already in place that's going to affect our life. Happens every time you sit with a group in the cafeteria at lunch, when you sit with a group in class, When you get a motorcycle, when you change jobs, when you move, when you move neighborhoods, there's a whole thing happening that will affect your life. Maybe you say, Rylan, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible says it this way on your notes, Proverbs 13, 20, and your notes were hole punched on the wrong side, so you may need to flip those over. 
In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Let's just all read that out loud together today. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, let me tell you my history with this verse. Growing up in the church, many of you know I'm a pastor's kid and I've grown up in churches and I've heard uh, many, many, many testimonies. And in fact, it's my favorite thing to hear a testimony of life change. And probably my favorite thing about my job is when you email me or tell me about life change that's happening in you or your family's life. I love it. And guys, I've heard a lot of amazing testimonies. I've heard testimonies that start out in, in bondage and people suffering harm. Suffering harm, like this passage talks about, whether it's the harm of addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, maybe it's the harm of pornography or sexual addiction, maybe it's the harm uh, of divorce or imprisonment or gambling, bankruptcy. And I've heard stories of not only people suffering harm, but them being the ones that cause harm. I've heard stories from people where they were the abuser, they were the one who their life was bringing pain to someone else. They were the one that was causing the offense. And I've heard so many of those same testimonies and stories that began in bondage to those things. I've seen them end in freedom. Freedom from the addiction. Freedom uh, from the offense. Relational freedom. Financial freedom. I've seen people who were just full of cynicism like they could never say a positive or encouraging thing to someone else. And I've seen God get a hold of their mind and their heart and their mouth and become some of the most encouraging people I know. And I've heard testimonies of harm end in wisdom. The testimonies of hurt and pain end in, in reconciliation and love and forgiveness and purpose. And you know what I've noticed about those testimonies? You know what a common denominator, a common thread in those testimonies is almost all of those testimonies in the bad parts and the good parts, in the before picture and the after picture, in the destruction and in the restoration, almost always in the bondage and the freedom, they were both influenced by the people they were around. And almost every story of, of addiction or bankruptcy or whatever, part of that story, they talk about the people in their life at that time. And then it's part of the testimony where they find freedom. They talk about the, the wise people that came into their life and cared about them and that they, they leaned into. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. How does the Bible say you become wise? By being around wise people. Now, wisdom here does not mean the smartest people. I've found personally that the smartest person in the room is generally not also the wisest. So wisdom here, it does not mean book smarts, uh, you can get good grades, high IQ, and still not be wise. Wisdom means good judgment. Wisdom means acknowledging God in all things. Wisdom means humility. Okay, and the way you get that is by who you are around. So we have a saying around here that speaks to this truth. And if you're taking notes, write this in. It's this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
because you will become like those you spend the most time with. If you hang around passionate, faith-filled, positive people, you cannot help it. You will become more positive, more passionate, more faith-filled. If you hang around people who have a deep conviction of who God is and what God is doing in their life, you can't help it. You will have a deeper conviction of who God is and what he's doing in your life. If you hang around people who are negative, full of cynicism, full of sarcasm, you will become more, more, more sarcastic, more negative. It's just a law, it's a truth. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. It's as true and as consistent as gravity. It's just what happens. And I don't know what goes through your mind when I say that. When I say, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Maybe you're evaluating your friend group right now. Maybe you're evaluating that season in your life where you did a lot of things you regret. Maybe you're evaluating who you were around and who you were walking with in those days. Chances are you're probably not even thinking about yourself right now. You're thinking about a kid. You're thinking about a friend. You're thinking about a family member. And you're thinking about who they're walking with and and you're looking at their friends and, and you're seeing their future. Because if you're already here today, you already know this. This is why you're here today. You may have not said it in this way, but you're here because you want to walk with the wise and you want to be rich in wisdom. You want to be rich in wisdom. So many people are dealing with poverty when it comes to wisdom. And when we think of poverty, we normally only think of one specific thing, but there's three different types of poverty in your notes just write these in. There's material poverty, and we know what that is. It's about money and possessions and the ability to provide the, the basic necessities. Second type of poverty is spiritual poverty. You can have material wealth, but have no eternal hope. You have material wealth, but still be in poverty because you have no eternal hope. The third type of poverty is relational poverty, and it seems like the more blessings we have, more material blessings we have, um, the harder this is for us. If you've uh, ever experienced the blessings of friendships, but then also been in poverty without, you know that one of the things that can be an enemy to this is, is self-reliance. In our culture, man, I just being an American male, just strive for self-dependence, self-reliance, I want to be independent. I want to be self-reliant. We say we don't want to have to need anything from anybody. I can take care of me. I can take care of my own. And we hold everybody else at arm's length to the point that we forget that to be totally self-reliant is to be distinctly non-Christian. Because God did not create us to be independent or self-reliant, but created us to be dependent on him. On him and his people. Jesus died for us and loves the church and together we are to love one another, lift one another up, serve one another. And to be independent, totally independent. I'm in my bubble, everybody else at arm's length, I don't need anything from anybody is to be distinctly non-Christian. In fact, we hear it in the way we talk. Sometimes we don't even get to the fullness of what God wants because we'll say you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And while that's true, the last thing you need is a private relationship with Jesus Christ because you miss out on so much of the fullness of who God is. This is why Jesus, when he, when he asks what's the greatest commandment, he says, well, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But even Jesus couldn't stop there. He couldn't leave it there. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because he knew that if we leave it at just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would miss out on so much of the fullness of God. And because Jesus knew that what's even better than experiencing God on your own is experiencing the glory and the power and the majesty and the goodness of the character of God in the context of a broader, deep biblical community. And yet the reality is, so many people and so many believers are going through life without that. And in our culture, we have so many external blessings, but yet internally, we're impoverished. I'll give you three reasons why. There's, there's many reasons why. I just want to give you three that so many are impoverished relationally today. The first one, if you're taking notes, uh, is because of increased mobility. And what I mean by that is many people don't stay in the same place too long anymore. The average American moves once every five years. If you're between the ages of 20 and 40, you move on average once every three years. And, and it's just hard to build long-term great relationships because those take time and loyalty and, and learning one another and forgiving one another and it's hard to do that if you're getting restationed or, or moved around all the time number two is modern conveniences and we've talked about this before but there's two modern conveniences that that I believe have really changed the landscape of our neighborhoods and our relationships one of them is the air conditioner because before the air conditioner at night, where was the coolest place? Outside, front porch. Which naturally, everyone's outside front porch, you know your neighbors better. Another one, at least for me, is the garage door opener. <laughs> because I can drive home, open up the bat cave, go inside, go inside to the cool air conditioner, stay inside all night, and go, guys, I can go weeks without talking to my neighbors. I'm just in and out and not see them and not have a chance to connect with them. And, and I'm trying not to sound here like the good old days were better, okay? Because this is a human problem. It's just what we're dealing with right now. They had different problems back then. I'll even show you a picture uh, that this was before the iPhone, everybody. This was before podcasts. This was before the smartphone. There's just something in us to be surrounded by people and not want anything to do with them. <laughs> But what we're dealing with today, because we got to deal with this in our life, is write this in more and more media, more and more media, that there is just always something to be engaged in, and, and we can go a whole week, kids can go a whole week staying inside every evening, not playing outside. People can, can go a whole week with just, just staying in the bat cave, and we miss out on some face-to-face -face contact that we need. And so many of us are going through life surrounded by people and yet no one we could really call if we need to talk because they don't know who we really are. And internally, deep down, when we're silent enough to think about it, we believe something's not working. And what we say is something's missing. Anyone ever heard anyone say that? Something's missing. Have you ever said that? Something's missing. I want to make the argument today that it's not that something is missing, it's that someone is missing. 
And in fact, my argument today is that it's not just someone, it's a group of someones. It's a group of someones that are missing. And I believe this so much so that I will tell you today, our key thought for today is you might be one group away from changing the course of your destiny. You might be one group away from changing the course of your destiny. You might be one group of strong, committed believers that you do life with together in the highs and in the lows who lift you up, who pray for you, who encourage you, who have the same convictions that you do about God and about Jesus Christ and always have your back. You might be one group away from changing the future of your family, changing future generations, changing your ability to make a difference in the world. You might be one group away from finally kicking that addiction, from finally your testimony being like the other ones that we've heard of I was in bondage, but now I am in freedom. You might be one group away from kicking that addiction. You might be one group away from changing the course of your destiny. Years ago, I plugged into a community of people within this church and it has shaped the trajectory of my life and I found my deepest friendships in these groups. I found friends who've been supporting one another for years now and we've celebrated everything from babies to new jobs to birthdays and we've walked with each other through tremendous victories and just some of the darkest things imaginable. And I I found my wife in this group. I would not be standing up here without these people. There have been times where I wanted to give up and they kept me going. And, and, And the actual group has changed over time. But just because I'm not in group with them doesn't mean that friendship isn't there anymore, that deep connection isn't there anymore. And so these, these guys and, and these couples and, and these people, it all started with small groups. So if you're new to Rockbrook, we're actually most of the people gathering here today for worship are going to connect this week in a smaller context, in, in a small group. And we are made up of a church of small groups. And I see some of you, you're sitting together today, you, you know each other, you're serving together, and we're made up of small groups that, that connect in many different ways. And I committed to a small group when I was a teenager, and, and some of the people I was in group with then are still friends today. Uh, after Lauren and I got married, we started a couple small group, and many of them, of those couples, are just dear, deep friends today. And over time, like I said, the group has changed. But what we've seen is, I believe, a biblical community. And it did not happen by accident. What we have is a modern-day reflection of a first-century New Testament community. Let's look at it together. Acts 2, 42. All the believers devoted themselves. They what? Devoted themselves. It wasn't a half-hearted thing. This was all in commitment, love, admiration, loyalty, steadfast faithfulness. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. In other words, it, it was a community centered around Christ. It was centered around Christ. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. 
They worship together at the temple each day. So that's a picture of this service. They worship together in the temple each day, and they met in homes. It's a picture of a small group. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship. So that's the purpose that was being fulfilled. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You don't just stumble into a group like that. (laughs) That doesn't just naturally happen. You may be one group away from changing the course of your destiny, but you don't just stumble into a group like this on accident. You just don't stumble into friendships that can help you. You create it and cultivate it in an intentional way. So I want to talk about today three ways that we can cultivate this in our groups three things that small groups provide. Small groups provide many things. I want to talk about three things that they provide today. And number one, they provide a place to connect with others. It's just, it's a place to connect with others. And we've got groups that that meet, if you don't know what groups are, they meet once a week. They have a meeting. The the group is is more than that. Just like your family's more uh, more than dinner, but you have a dinner. And so small groups are more than a meeting, but they have a meeting. They get together. And they get together in lots of different contexts. We have groups that are gathering around crafts and and certain things that they're passionate about. We have groups that gather together for coffee or for breakfast, or they meet in a home uh, at night, and they go through a curriculum together. Several different times and several different contexts of how they get together, but they connect with others, and they connect deeply. It's fun, I mean, it's not like it's just so heavy every time. It's a blast. It's fun. It's friendships. And they connect. But they also connect deeply. I I talked to several people in the last year who have told me that if it wasn't for their small group, they would go a whole week without ever connecting with another believer. I'm a pastor. So I don't think that way. I work with Christians. I'm with Christians all the time. And that blew me away that there's people that they, they say, I don't have any believers that I work with. There's not many believers in my family. And if it weren't for my small group, I would never be connecting with another believer, another person who shares the deepest conviction I have about Jesus being my Lord and Savior. And I tell them, does your group know that? Have you told your group that? Do they know how important you are to them that without them they'd be missing the purpose of fellowship. They'd be missing this connection. Look at Romans 15 with me. It says, may God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other. Now, we're always so focused on whether or not we're accepted that we forget to think, oh, I need to accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Accept each other. Here's something I've learned is you can't have deep biblical community and a great small group if every time you meet, you wonder, am I getting anything out of this? I've done small group that way. Am I getting anything out of this? Am I getting anything out of this? 
to really be fulfilled in godly community, to really be fulfilled in your friendships, to get anything out of it, you will have to be thinking about what you can give, what you can put into it. You will have to be thinking about the other person. This is just a a relationship principle. If you want more out of a relationship, put more into it. If you want more out of marriage, put more into the marriage yourself. If you want more out of a certain aspect in marriage, give more in that aspect of marriage. If you want more out of your relationship with God, you, you get what you give in relationships. You get what you give. And, you know, I, I'm so messed up. I've told you this about me before, and I thought when I shared it with you, it would kind of fix the problem, but I, I still experience it. Is that every week when it comes to my small group relationships and our small group meeting, every week, I don't want to go. <laughs> I'll just be transparent with you. I want to stay home. I got a lot to do. I want to stay home and work on my laptop, or I'm just so tired I want to crash, and I don't want to go. And I have to remember it's not about me and get myself out the door and get over there and go. And then once it's done, I get in the car and I think, why wouldn't I want to go to that? I'm so spiritually refreshed. I'm renewed. That was the thing I needed. Last thing I needed was to clam up at home. This is what I needed. I need to remember this next week when I don't want to go again. And I go through the same thing the next week. Anybody else? Yeah. I don't think that tug of war that's happening there is on accident. I think there's something spiritual happening there. I think there's something powerful at, at work there that the enemy knows if I can just get you to stay home, if I can get you to say, I'm not getting anything out of this. There's something at work. There's something powerful happening there. And I'm most fulfilled in my relationships when I look at how I can give. And I just wonder how fulfilled would we be in our relationships if we put others' needs above our own? I wonder how many of our needs would actually be met if we put their needs above our own and put God above everything else. And I wonder what would happen, what would our church look like if when we pulled out of the parking lot today and we said, God, how did I do? Did I worship you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Did I give you the praise you're due? Because God, you died for me, and you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And did I worship you like you are the King of kings today? God, did I find a word from you today? Is is there a word from you today that I can cling to for my week? A Bible passage, a thing that, that when it felt like he was just speaking right to me, like what was that for me today? And when we pull away from our small groups and pull away from the church, do we say, God, how did I do? And there have been times, I, I've to, I told you about the great things about the people I've been in small groups with. Well, let me tell you about the flaws in our group. There have been times in our group where we've had to hold one another accountable. We've had to help each other out of the trap of sin. More than one time, people have drifted away and they've pursued things that don't matter as much. And there have been times when forgiveness is tough and and someone will do something that, that rubs me the wrong way and I feel excluded or offended. And I have to remember, you know, they probably didn't wake up that day with the sole purpose of offending me. They probably didn't mean it. And I'll have to forgive. And I have to remember, man, they, they love me more than anybody. And I tell you, more often than not, it's been me the one 
that's offended someone. And there will be times where it will be difficult and we'll have to be quick to forgive, quick to forgive the offense. Can I just tell you something about your upcoming week? Whether it's in small group or not, small groups they start in a few weeks, but just something about your week. I'm going to predict the future for you right now. Someone's going to offend you. Why do we get so surprised? Someone's going to cut you off in traffic. Someone's going to not include you in a decision you probably should have been included in. Someone's going to say something they wish they wouldn't have said. Someone's going to do something that rubs you the wrong way. Can we just stop being surprised by it and let's just forgive them in advance. How about right now we say someone's going to rub me the wrong way and you say is that theologically accurate? I don't know but let's give it a shot and try and find out. And let's also remember that we're probably going to offend somebody this week. I'm probably going to say something I wish I didn't say. I'm probably going to tell a joke that wasn't really funny. (laughs) Some of you know me and you're like, yeah, he will. (laughs) I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to do something that's going to offend someone. And can we just walk into our week with some humility and some forgiveness already on us that's ready for that? And let's be ready to connect with one another. Beyond the hurts, beyond the habits, beyond the hang-ups, let's be able to connect with one another. Now, like I said, we've got groups that connect in a variety of ways. We connect deeply. We also connect in, in a way that's fun. Being in a small group is fun. It's fun. It's a place to connect with one another. Number two, it's a place to grow together. I want to grow in my faith. I know you want to grow in your faith. This happens collectively. We're better together. Let's read this passage out loud together. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Oh, I used to love that verse. That sounds so nice, doesn't it? Let's just put that on a t-shirt and on a bumper sticker and on a, you know, coffee mug and just totally forget that how does iron sharpen iron? Sparks fly, metal clanks together. It's kind of a violent process. It's very active. It's also worth it. I've been dull. I want to be sharp. I've been worthless. I want to be sharp. My kid is growing right now and and he's experiencing growing pains. It's hard to grow. I'll shoot straight with you. It's not easy. I I want to tell you this is not easy. I I know I may not be doing the best job of selling you on small groups right now because you're like, this sounds hard. But I don't want to make it sound just all sunshine and roses and then you go out and be disappointed and feel like you're not getting what you're supposed to be getting. It's it's difficult to grow. It's hard to grow. It's worth it. Walk with the wise and become wise. Companion of fools suffers harm. I've suffered harm. I like the wisdom side better. Suffering harm, there's a cost to wisdom. The cost to harm is much greater. The cost of following God is great. The cost of not following God, I do not want to pay that price. And some of you have paid that price. And you say, yeah, the cost of following God is great, but it's not near what I was paying before. I'll follow God. The cost of wisdom is great. The cost of harm is much greater. Look at 1 John 1, 7 with me. It says, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Light and salvation doesn't only mean fellowship with God, it means fellowship with others. Salvation doesn't only mean peace with God, it also means peace with others. 
Now, there's, there's no accident that uh, this point is called A Place to Grow, and we just released a small group curriculum called A Place to Grow. And we're giving that to you this semester. You guys are so generous with us. We just want to be generous with you, and, and we'll give you A Place to Grow, the DVD, the study guide. If you want to get together with a, a few friends, a couple of other friends, maybe even just one other vi- individual, and go through that together, I'd encourage you to do that. That's free to you. Uh, so is any curriculum that, that we've released to those three that you want to do. Uh, so maybe you want to bundle together, belong, and grow. And that's a good eight-week curriculum for this semester. And if you want to start that now, if you want to get together with one, two, three other people and, and go through those, we can help you do that. We'd love to help you do that and grow together. We're also doing growth track as a small group this semester on Saturday night. So maybe the Sunday afternoon time isn't good for you. You want to grow in your faith? You've been wanting to do growth track? Join us for the, the growth track small group on Saturday night. So we'll have information about that. But small groups are a place to connect together. They're a place to grow together. And they're an environment, a place where we can protect each other. The last few weeks, we've been looking at John 3.16. And too many people know John 3.16, but don't know 1 John 3.16. Look at 1 John 3.16 with me. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. How do you give up your life? There's been times in my life where I'd rather give up my life than give up a night of the week. (laughs) How do you give up your life? You give up your time. Your time is your life. There's nothing more precious to you than your time. Because once you spend it, you can't get it back. And every time you give your time to someone, you've given up your life. And we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Why? Well, here's what you get. First Peter 5, 8 through 9. Peter says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. I want to show you a quick video clip here. Don't miss the connection between Satan and the lion. Between Satan and the lion. He prowls around. We have a spiritual enemy who wants to devour you and pick you off. He wants to surprise you and steal and kill and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. We live in a battleground, and our enemy comes to attack and to destroy everything that we know. But don't miss the connection Peter makes to remembering our Christian and brother sisters all over the world. Because we have each other's backs, and we have each other's sides, and we can fight for one another. And when the enemy comes, we do not roll over. And ladies and gentlemen, I think if water buffalo can stick together like that, the church of Jesus Christ can stick together like that. But here's the thing. You've got to build that relationship before the lion comes. You've got to build into the foundation. Once you're attacked like that, it's kind of late And I'm so thankful that by the grace of God, 
Lauren and I built some of those, that foundation and that relationship before the devastating thing. And, and we had a small group of people who knew us and knew how to love us and knew what we needed before the miscarriage, before the loss, before the battle. And we had people who could fight with us. And there were guys I could go to and say, guys, I'm going really dark on this. Can you help me? You gotta help me stay in the light. And I don't know what's coming in your life. And I'm, friend, I'm not trying to scare you today, but there's things that are coming. And you can build the foundation now. And when you have it, it's so rich and satisfying and so meaningful. And the unbelievers start looking on and they say, like someone told me, you know, the whole God thing seems pretty far-fetched, but I wish I had what your church has. And Jesus said that would happen in John 13, 35. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What proves, what proves that you're a Christian today? What proves that you're a follower of Jesus? What proves that you're a disciple today? It's not simply that you're in church. It's not simply that you've made a profession of faith. It's not simply that you care about the Bible. What, what proves that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ today? It's not that I'm a pastor. It's not that I'm preaching the word. It's that I love you. What proves that you're a disciple? It's that you love one another. And you love one another to the point that you'll protect each other and fight for one another. Would you pray with me? God, I hope I encouraged your people today. God, I hope I didn't make this so heavy that it would scare people away from a godly friendship or a small group I just wanted to be honest God help us to connect with one another however it is whenever it is God we just want to connect with one another God make it fulfilling and fun God also make it a, a deep, meaningful connection. Help us to grow together. God, we want to grow in our faith. And God, help us to protect one another, to have each other's backs. God, help us to forgive one another. God, we just want to walk into this week with some forgiveness already on the scene. God, we love you so much. Thank you for saving us. We worship you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.